Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic or on premise and on location, on premises. I'm Stephen Foskett from Gestalt IT, and each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a premise. This episode, the premise, is something we've noticed here at Tech Field Day uh, this week, which is it seems like nobody's listening to each other. Nobody's understanding each other. Nobody ever seems to learn anything from one discipline to another or from one generation to another. It seems like everybody's reinventing things all the time. But before we get into this premise, let's meet who's on the podcast today. Hi, my name is Ben Story. I'm a network security engineer, and you can find me on the Twitters at NTWRK80. My name is Keith Parsons. You can find me on Twitter at, at Keith R. Parsons, and my website's WLANPros.com. And I'm Aaron Conaway. I'm on Twitter at A Conaway. So we are here at Tech Field Day, which is the uh, Gestalt Field Day event. And in, in other words, we have vertical uh, oriented field day events like mobility field day where Keith would come, a networking field day, security field day, storage field day, yes, uh, AI field day. Um, but one of the things that happens where the magic happens with Gestalt IT, and that's why we called the company that, was when we bring a diverse group of people together, we have them uh, learn about different companies, just like we did this week. We had storage companies and security companies, networking, applications, uh, and, and we ask everyone to sort of listen in and bring their diverse perspectives to the table to learn, to help each other learn, to help each other grow and understand things better. That's all well and good for us. Wouldn't it be great, though, if uh, the companies and the product people were doing that, too? I don't know about you guys, but we've got a saying in the storage industry that you can always tell that a storage product is going to fail when it was developed by people who aren't storage people. You know, somebody who comes in from outside and decides, oh, that storage stuff, well, that's the easy thing. Let me bring my networking skills to this, or let me bring my security skills to this, or let me bring my whatever skills to this, and I'm going to show them because I bet they never thought of this. Well, on the one hand, they're right. The storage people probably did never think of some of the things the networking people knew. But on the other hand, well, none of this stuff is easy. Wouldn't it be great if they all actually talked to each other and learned from each other and relied on each other's expertise? Doesn't seem like it's happening. Keith, I'm going to throw this to you first, because frankly, you come from a, a bit of a different perspective. You know, you've heard security companies and storage companies and networking and, and so on this week. Uh, but your background in the mobility and the Wi-Fi space really gives you a completely different perspective. Uh, yes. And thanks for having me come to Tech Field Day. It's been nice to, to see some different uh, technologies. There are similarities, of course, and a, a lot of differences. Um, <clears throat> It's a little sad though that, that at this Gestalt IT event, you, you get to see that there's uh, different silos of information and they, they don't always talk together. And what I've noticed is um, there's, there's so many similarities. I wish more people would talk together. Uh, people in, in the mobility space uh, repeat the same mistakes that others have already solved. And they do that because they, they're stuck in their silos. So the thing that you mentioned about storage, it's not storage. I have to invent it here. I don't think it has to be invented here. It's just VCs usually fund companies where they, they get to say those, those things. We've got something different. One of the things I noticed this week in, in the Tech Field Day presentations is um, companies are about their technology. And yet 
in the business role, they have to be about a business model that they that makes sense and makes money. And every presentation I've wanted just to say, get to the business model, because that's going to drive all the other little pieces. And, and they kind of miss it because they're on their, their technology bent. So um, just to, to follow on with this topic, I don't think it's just between silos. It's also inside. We, we have generations of technology and we go back and we didn't learn from the past as well. Uh, and funny that that today someone was talking about how we were distributed then centralized and distributed and centralized and, and they weren't talking about Wi-Fi. They were talking about a whole different industry who went through those same cycles. And I think we all do that. Well, there's, a, there's also different levels here too. There's the industry-wide, like you're talking about, right? Like one industry or one sub-industry of IT doesn't, doesn't take lessons from another. But even with like within a company, right? I was thinking earlier, um, when we first, Wall first started doing uh, network automation, DevOps stuff, let's throw more buzzwords out there. Um, SD. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were doing, you know, I was sitting there doing Python and I was like, I need to manage passwords. How do I manage passwords? I just had no idea, right? So I'm Googling whatever. My, my boss said, go ask the developers and they're in the other end of the building because they get audited for their password management in the applications. I'm like, oh, that's pretty neat. <laughs> like we have them just down the street. Yeah, yeah they're, they're literally right there. Just go ask what they do, right? So even at that level, we don't even talk like between silos. Um, and, and conversely, when like app managers do stuff to load balancers where I know about load balancers and they don't, you know, you wind up with outages because they don't know what they're doing, right? And are afraid to ask. And I don't know if that's a management issue at that level, but then how do you apply? Where's the blame, I guess? I'll blame my managers for that one, right? But where do you blame, who do you blame for the industry-wide uh, walls that are put up and the silos that are put up for that? I think from the industry perspective, it's a lot of it comes from the complexity. We've created this monster of technology and, you know, We've, we add complexity to complexity to complexity and gone are the days of having anybody that actually understands even a mass percentage of it. Um, everybody has to become a specialist in their area because if they try to be a specialist on it all, either A, they're a genius and they're like hired by some company and they're going to be put in the ivory tower or B, their head is just going to explode. I mean, I remember when I first got into the industry, it was very common to have an IT generalist. And the only place I see that now are in industries that can't afford more than one person. So you, you have like the K-12 schools, the rural schools districts, they've got that one guy that tries to do everything. And, and teach math on the side. Uh, and teach math <laughs> and esports on the side, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they, they just can't do it. And you know, of course they come, come begging for help because we as an industry, we're horrible about sharing information between our verticals, you know, like, you know, mobility, et cetera, but we're also horrible about sharing between industries. So like, I, you know, if, if you're an IT guy that's in financial, you talk to IT guys that are in education. You talk to IT guys that are in, you know, manufacturing, because I, I, I've crossed multiple industries over the years and I'm, I'm noticing as a consultant now, I'm seeing the same problems over and over and over again in different industries. And they're like, well, this is a totally new problem. No, it's not. And we're, we're not, we're doing a horrible job telling the story 
of what we found in the past. And that, that's part of the reason. But where would you go find that? You, you, you've had that experience in being in different verticals. Yeah. So you've seen the problem before. If someone's just stuck in one vertical, how would they know that that other problem got solved? Well, that's, that's what I think is we need to tell those stories. And I think that's one of the reasons it's important for people like us that put things out on Twitter, put things out on uh, you know, blogs or whatnot, because if you, if you type into Google and you're searching for something, it's got to be there to find it. Well, I just have to say, uh, I don't think I'm alone in this, but more people need to blog because it's a really good memory. Great I can't to tell you how many, keep yeah, right. man. I don't know how many times I've, I've done a Google search for a problem I had and my own blog came up. It's just, I can't hold it all in my head. So the more people blog, the more we have that asset. Well, I, mean, I think we, we've all had people also call them and say, hey man, I found your blog and it saved me today. I'm gonna buy you a beer next time I see you because I've been working on this for how long, right? Yep. So yeah, sharing is a big deal. And even I, I was looking at my, uh, my, my not my Twitter feed, but the, the uh, new uh, people I follow over time, right? Like Keith, I've been following you for like twelve years or something, right? Huh. <laughs> Since the beginning. I mean, I'm not paying attention to it, but I, I, <laughs> okay, good. I'm following you. Um, but you know, but, but at the beginning of when I started doing Twitter, for example, it was a very diverse group, right? Mm -hmm. But now, if you look at say the last year, who I started following, it's like strictly network engineers, right, or network architects. So I've even siloed myself further, like you were talking about. I was like. You know how you know what do we have to do to make sure we're sharing outside and it's ingress and egress information too, right? Well, so. And I think part of that is just trying to harness that fire hose of information because the more people you it's add difficult. to your Twitter, the more people you're trying to follow and trying to, to keep track of, and it well, gets crazy. Well, I think part of part of what I was saying too is I would like oh, I don't care about that yeah, wireless mute, guy. Mute, mute. <laughs> I don't care yeah. about that security person. You know? and, the, the other thing is, it's, I, we make it hard to get into that. So if you're not part of that core group of networking guys or a core, core group of security people or whatnot, I find it difficult because uh, myself, I've been trying to make a transition from networking into security. Mm -hmm. And the true cybersecurity people, they're a different breed. And they talk a different language. And I'm tr still trying to figure that out. But even trying to figure out who to follow to, to even get into that community is interesting because they, they've got their, just like we do, we have our politics I and mean, there's certain people in the networking field or, or wireless field that certain people don't like and they steer clear of this person or steer clear. And it's, so you've got the interpersonal stuff too that you got to figure out to figure out, you know, what is a good source? It goes back to the old days where the teacher was telling you, don't, you, you know, don't copy and paste out of Wikipedia. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on how old you are. Uh, well, we didn't have Wikipedia. Back in my day, we had to look it up in the paper. Um, so, uh, and copy from that. So the, the, hand. the funny thing though is, is that what we found with Field Day, especially, is that the community is especially, is incredibly open and incredibly willing and, and given and giving and wanting to, to, to share that information. And, and, you know, one of the things that Keith mentioned as well, um, you know, blogging, the, the spirit of blogging was so selfless. It was such a spirit of, I discovered this. I want to share it with the world. I want to help the world understand it. But then it seems it almost got corrupted into a, a spirit of, 
I'm going to be a capital I influencer and I'm going to be the cool kids club and I'm going to exclude people from my discussions because I want to make sure that, you know, that I'm one of the, one of the special people, but that's not the kind of, that's not the feeling that I get from a lot of the folks in the industry uh, when you meet them. I, I feel like they're not actually like that. They're surprisingly open and surprisingly given. Um, and, and though things have changed, I think that there are other platforms. I mean, we mentioned, uh, you know, Stack Overflow, GitHub, uh, podcasts. I think that that has that same open spirit of sharing information that we saw in blogs uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I want to shift gears here a little bit, and I want to talk about products and technologies. Uh, truly, one of the challenges that, that we see with Tech Field Day is, as you mentioned, um, that it seems like one industry isn't learning from the lessons of another industry. A very concrete example of that, and the reason I'm bringing it up here is because of exactly who I've got here. Uh, when we started doing Wireless Field Day, I was blown away to discover this whole controller-based architecture where you have uh, a number of uh, access points out there all across, I mean, literally thousands in many cases of access points that you kind of don't care about. So instead of being pets, they're cattle. And then you have a controller and the controller basically gives them their, it gives them their tasks, their configuration, their everything. And if something happens to one of those APs, that doesn't matter, right? If, if it goes offline, if you have to replace it, whatever, even if uh, you know, they're, they're kind of covering for each other. And this is essentially the software-defined networking architecture, the software-defined storage architecture, the modern Kubernetes cloud architecture, except it's been existing in Wi-Fi for a decade or more. And that was a very concrete example. And it was really eye-opening moment for me as a technologist to say, I never thought that, I never made that psychic jump that my hardware was not important in many cases, that it was just cattle. And I just needed to direct the hardware on where to go. And yet that's where the entire industry is going. Give me an example, if you can, of something you've noticed that is done right in one field and wrong or could be applied to another field. And, and honestly, it could be that, but give, give, me another, give me another example. Who wants to jump in with something that you've seen is doing, done right, maybe in security or networking or, or storage or somewhere that could be brought elsewhere? Well, I mean, that was the greatest example, right? Well, of course it was. Of course, because it came <laughs> from you mostly. Yeah. Um, but everywhere, just, I mean, listen, how many, four or five examples of using controller-based whatever to control this commodity stuff in the field? I mean, that is, I mean, that's going to be around forever in networking. That's going to be around forever in everything, really. So, Well, I, th I think if we look at uh, virtualization, um, for years, you know, we were looking at VMware and those hypervisor-type companies. And it was great, you know, so we can do this, we can, we don't have to carry what's underneath it. And it's taken a while for the networking industry to realize we can run our operating system inside a VM on this switch, because this switch is just a compute that has a lot of ports. And now, instead of having to wait for the switch to reboot to get your, your software upgrade, you can just change the control plane from VM1 to VM2, and boom, you're back. So you know we're cut, we're cutting the amount of downtime in our industry. We're cutting. We we no longer necessarily have to have hardware redundancy to have that.
quick cutover. We can you know, have two of them up and running, sync them, and poof. And, and I, I think that's awesome. I, th I think the the space where AI ML and though I don't like the the terms all the time because they get blown out of proportion, but the idea that you could take a human who does something and I'm, I'm coming to the wireless world where where I'd want to make sure that there's no co-channel interference and I can do that manually by myself, and then they write an algorithm that can do it. I, I think one thing that wireless is, is starting to catch up on is instead of having the controller or even if you move the control plane to the cloud the ability to have some feedback loops that a you run something you ask did the client have a better day because i did this or not well then that was a good choice to to make so i think something that wireless is starting just now to do is having feedback loops built into that ai that says I wanted to make this change, and so it's not necessarily co-channel interference that's an issue in Wi-Fi, but it could be a switch fabric that says, oh, we did this, oh, this bad thing happened, let's go back. Or we got 20% improvement, so can we make it 28% improvement? That uh, feedback loops will allow us to, to make the AI actually give us something positive rather than just whiz-bang cool, I can do my AR now. Yeah, I'll just say too that uh, from my perspective, one of the big challenges and one of the big challenges that's been overcome in the storage industry is this idea of scale out. So in storage, the, the biggest challenge was that storage devices were always monolithic. It was always the controller talking to the disks and, and all the IO had to kind of go vertically through that. And then uh, in the last you know couple of decades, really, we've been spending this whole, this re-architecting the entire system into more of a scale-out system to the point now where we've reached a, what we call a disaggregated system mm -hmm. where essentially there is no storage array. It's just a, a service that's being offered across a wide variety of systems. I think that concept is fundamentally now infecting every part of IT. So the whole idea of hyper-converged infrastructure, I know it sounds weird that disaggregated and converged are the same thing, but they kind of are. <laughs> Um, that I think that whole concept that, you know, no, it, it shouldn't be monolithic. It should be, you know, spread out is going everywhere. So we see technologies like CXL where you're having CPUs and GPUs and memory and IO and storage and everything in different shelves spread out across a, a rack. Uh, to me, that looks very storagey and I'm kind well, of well, proud to of me, that. To me, it looks like spine leaf architecture in my data center, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been doing that a little bit. That's great that the presentation we saw was amazing and I had no idea really what was going on with it until the, the bus ride last night or while we were going to dinner. Um, but the, I mean, that's just amazing stuff that uh, I thought as a non-storage, non-compute person that, I mean, surely that already existed, but no, I guess not. I mean, we, we didn't see the the real physical disaggregation of these components, but that's that's what we have been doing in networking for a while now. So. Yeah, that's that's true. And I love that. I love the fact that we're starting to see some progress. Are there other areas that you guys are seeing this progress happening? In, you know, in a, yes, across a wide range. I My eyes have been open a bit in the, just last week with Aruba Atmosphere and then this week with, with Techfield, they seeing the wide change, how vendors have, can't really be the little silo they used to be. In my space, there used to be wireless only, and then they got picked up by, oh, we need to 
In fact, even the Gardner Group said, if you don't have your own switch, then we, you can't even play in this space. And now it's not just the switch, you have to have the whole infrastructure. So there's aggregation happening everywhere. And I hope that it's uh, sharing more than just a marketing moniker, that they're actually getting their technologies to share and learn from each other as well. Well, it's interesting you, you bring that up because you know, we, we've started aggregating all of these things into you know, one company for, you know, that can do all of this. And we've gone from being best of breed to best architecture. And it does worry me a little bit that, you know, are we going to lose some really good technologies because they weren't picked up into one of these big umbrellas or because they were picked up into one of these big umbrellas, it was sort of downplayed. But tied back to what Stephen asked before, what I see moving is there's white box everything. Yep. And, and yet white box doesn't fit in that monolithic, big aggregated company. And yet that really super big companies have switched to white box gear everywhere. So we're, we're kind of still back split. And I can foresee that we could get back into a fact centralized again. It's going to happen. Well, that's the history of IT, right? Is yeah. the battle between centralization and decentralization and commodity, you know, commoditization and specialization. And it just seems to be constantly bouncing back and forth between those extremes. But you're right. I mean, it, it, uh, you look around at a lot of these products and a lot of the products today all use literally the same hardware. You know, it's not even sort of the same hardware. It's not even the same architecture. It is literally the Ma same Made in box. the same plant. <laughs> yes. yeah. But at the same time, we're seeing certain vendors that are saying, well, look at our fancy dancy silicon, whether that be Apple, Cisco, or whoever, we're making this special to, because they're trying to differentiate from the fact that everybody else is using that same chipset. So I guess the question is, you know, is it worth that extra money or not? And we as an industry have to kind of figure that out. I mean, Obviously, Meta and some of these other hyperscalers are saying, no, it's not. We'll use all the off-the-shelf technology we can find. I think it goes back to our standards, that the standards themselves were, were designed by the vendors who put in the standard, there's this base, but then there's options, and yet it's still a standard, but they, had, they left in their spaces that they could have their own little place. So it's been around for... Decades. Uh, that, that, that kind of brings me to a side tangent about not learning from our mistakes. IoT, wi wireless IoT devices, have to start reading the 802.11 spec and learning how to use all of the dot K dot they, they don't and they won't because <laughs> the chip manufacturers politically went into the standards bodies and overwrote them and said, we each have a vote and we're going to come in here with 300 votes for saying 2.4 gigahertz needs to be an 811 AC. And well, they won. And so now we are stuck with that. I don't necessarily mind the 2.4 gigahertz part for IoT. Fine. If they want to live in that congested space, that's their own prerogative. But start supporting things that help us as engineers Tell your client to be behave better. Yeah, they you would you would think, yeah. but but that's not the chip manufacturers don't want to. Yeah, they are they're stuck in the we want a commodity so we can get a really cheap one, right. and then people buy the cheap ones that don't do the things that we like them to do. And yeah, we're exactly that's I don't know if it's going to get yeah, ever better because it's always the client. 
<laughs> it's always DNS. So, so let's follow from that. That's an interesting point. So you've brought up effectively that there's politics involved. Um, there's just the reality of, of chip availability. Uh, sometimes it's practical power, cost, things like that. Um, why don't industries, do you think it's just the fact that they're not paying attention? Do you think it's the fact that they're, we're not talking? Or why don't the lessons of history get absorbed and incorporated into the future? I think part of it is, and I've worked with a bunch of manufacturers who, who in the wireless space at least, want to get their IoT product. They just want to go say, my job is this stoplight controller. And let me just grab a module that will, I'm selling this stoplight thing. I'm selling something in the medical field. I'm selling something. And the the communication backhaul, it's it's not what I'm selling. Just go get me one. And they just go buy the cheapest one that has some generic code on it. And then and the generic code didn't go through the trouble of adding the KDR or whatever. And so they met the minimum requirements of the networking side, but they're really selling a different product. And it's how do we get, and, it, and specifically for medical, once they get that approved, it's a five, seven year process to get it replaced. So we're kind of stuck with it. Yep. Well, and I think too, it's also a matter of, it's not their cup of tea. It's not, it's not what they're, you know, like they don't the, focus on it. Yeah. And you know, like you, how many devices have you come across in the IT industry that are IP enabled, which really what that means is they stuck a serial to LAN converter on it. And you have something that allows you to SSH and then get a, a serial console into their device. Um, and then you can't figure out, well, why is this so slow to interact with? Or, you know, why is it horribly insecure? It, it, yeah, yeah. Well, like the, the, the recent uh, security problem with um, APC and the, their UPSs, the UPS firmware itself is where the security problem lies, not on the interface to get to it. And it, it's such a pain to patch it because you have to have to take the load off the UPS to patch it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, there's the, the layers of layers that we've got that we're building up and no one's watching the underlayers until they get exploited. I have a good example. I had a, a customer who had put in 300 video doorbells in an apartment complex and they were thinking they were on cutting edge because they bought POE doorbells and it was a new building. So they ran POE cable, but the cablers knew that it was POE only. So they only brought the pairs for the POE and they were wireless. And he said, they're wireless doorbells, but they're powered via PoE and they just didn't use the rest of the cable. And then the problem was a wireless problem because you have 300 all on the same channel doing the same thing and they didn't work. And yet the solution was physically already there and the installers had actually cut the cables that would have been the data out of cable. their way to defeat the solution out of their way because <laughs> yeah yeah what do we do with these extra ones we don't need them uh, yeah uh, of course maybe, they cut them back so just oh, enough yes. you couldn't reach them again maybe that's another thing i think that that maybe that's another lesson that we could take in that another reason we never seem to learn is because we seem so ready to reject anything that's old or previous generation or not invented here you know, uh, well, we're wireless, pride, right? you know, wireless <laughs> is the future, not wired. You know, what do we need wires well, for? Look at TwinX. Yeah. Who, who eight years ago would have said that TwinX was going to be all over data centers again, but it is, we call it DAC now, but it's still TwinX <laughs> and it's everywhere. We're going, we won't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is another thing though, that, that does cause problems. You know I mean? I think that if, uh, 
if more people thought, you know, well, maybe I should study, you know, grandfather, father, son, backup rotation before developing a new data protection strategy, or maybe I should, you know, learn a thing or two about the different security paradigms before implementing this new product, you know, maybe I should just read a book on security before implementing security. I think that would help too, just, just sort of this not invented here. I think it could be also, and I'm not going to try to, I don't want to slam on marketing people, but I've seen too many marketing people say, oh, we just did this one thing, so you don't need backups anymore, or you don't need surveys anymore, or you don't need this anymore, rather than say, you still need those things, we just made it better, but the you don't need X, and if you believe that, then you get stuck down someplace where you don't need it anymore. Yeah, that's that's so true. How many of us have heard you don't need fill-in important thing anymore yeah. in our in our spaces well, you know just this week we heard you don't need backups anymore from a couple vendors and i am sitting here thinking mm, yeah i don't trust you enough to, to say that I, I want to have my data in multiple places so that when your cloud disappears for whatever reason whether it be a government shutdown or something whatever i still have my data well let's not even talk about compliance where i have to have a <laughs> physical backup of something elsewhere yeah <laughs> so well, you know, I think that this is one of those challenges that's just going to go on and on. And, I, and if I can be a little bit uh, depressing here, I would say as well <laughs> okay. that it seems like we don't learn anything in real world either, right? I think, you know, I mean, if you look in, in military history, you know, we, we still are fighting the last war. We're still making the same mistakes we made last time. You know, we don't, we don't put things, you know, in government, in, in society, uh, you know, if we find something that works, sometimes we'll use it for a while, but then sometimes we just sort of move on to the next new thing and, and forget. Uh, it's, it's kind of bleak. Are there any, I mean, we're technologists. Are there any technical solutions to this problem? Can you think of a way that we can make sure that we're learning from history? Uh, I think all these industries are, because they're different companies, and there is the pride and there is the standards amongst them that uh, I'll be even bleaker and say, no, there is no solution that can fix this bleak problem that we have because of, of this separation amongst everyone. I, I, we can all just do our part to, uh, <laughs> we can all blog and tweet better. And I, I, I think that's actually the answer is not just the blogging, but the reading of other people's blogs and, and the, the, the reading in general. Stephen mentioned you should read a book on security. Yeah, you should read more. Um, there, there's a lot of reading that people have spent the time to write something that solves a problem. And if you don't take the time to do that research beforehand, rather than just jumping to the answer. Um, I, I think another answer is whoever's presenting, and this is just not, this is specific for this question, but don't lose your audience, jump to the conclusion first. And if they need supporting information, give it to them later. So people don't read as they should to do the research. And then they end up not paying attention because you didn't hit them with the important part first and then you lost them. So help your readers by, by putting the conclusion first and then backing it up. But as, as IT professionals and people just in society, uh, we need to do a lot more research before we make stupid statements. I think you, you hit the nail on the head, read. And I think, I think that's a problem, not just in our industry, but in general is 
people don't want to spend the time reading things anymore. You, you remember when you used to have the shelves of you know giant books on the back, you know, you know, and that was a sign of hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Oh, I still have it. It's got that much dust on it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the, the problem with today is everything is a video. It's short. Everything's short content now. And heaven help you if you have to try to Google and find something because it's all in video. It's not, there's no transcript to be searched. There's no text to be searched other than the keywords that they decided to put in in the YouTube uh, description. And, and the problem with the videos are, they're serial. Exactly. You don't have random access. Yeah, you can't just look at a, at a document and say, I want to pick up this yeah, piece of information. Table of contents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and so I, I find that difficult when everything's in video. I've, I've got a couple of vendors that everything is video documentation. This is video, by the way. Well, I know oh, we're on cool. video, but, but what I'm saying is when I'm trying to find, you know, like a technical document and all I have is a video, I have to sit there and kind of, you know, slowly, slowly scroll through it, trying to find that tidbit that I need. Yeah, exactly. I was actually going to make that same joke, Keith. Uh, yes, here we are on video uh, <laughs> discussing this. And um, but but the last the last on premise premises podcast <laughs> brought up the same idea about uh, it was it was a different subject. But the answer was better documentation. How do you give your end users the information? And I think what we're all saying is it also needs to be easily accessible. This is a nice format, and if you're driving and you're listening to a podcast, perfect. That's what that's a good place to, to consume this, or you're working out, or whatever the issue is. But for hard information, it, our eyeballs are still the way we get information in our heads. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for this conversation. Um, I do hope that uh, the folks listening have learned something from the various perspectives brought together here on premises for the on-premise IT roundtable. Uh, and I do hope that you'll listen to us in the future. All You can find this podcast in your favorite podcast application. You can also find it on YouTube. But before we go, uh, where can we catch you and continue the conversation? Uh, I'm Aaron, and I'm at Twitter, A. Conaway. Keith R. Parsons on Twitter or WLAMPros.com. Uh, I'm Ben, and you can find me at NTWRK80 on Twitter or PacketForwarding.com uh, for my blog. And as for me, I'm at S. Foskett on most social media networks. You can find me at Gestalt IT and Tech Field Day, among other places. And uh, again, if, if you enjoyed this conversation, do please subscribe, uh, give us a rating and review. That does help. This podcast is brought to you by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to GestaltIT.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.